If you have a Bible handy, we're going to look at John 4, just for a moment or two. I'm going to speak on a passage that's well known, but hopefully uh, just share a couple of, two, three points that I want to share from this passage. It's the, about the woman at the well, and um, the lady was a Samaritan woman. So I'm going to read the passage, it's quite a lengthy passage, and then just three brief points, so I'm not going to speak for a long time. But um, there's a number of things um, that i just like to highlight regarding that. I want to speak about leave it behind. Leave it behind. It might be a bit different from what you've, um, hopefully maybe a bit different from what you've heard before in this passage. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized it, but it was his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired, um, um, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. So be very hot and dusty, and um, be very thirsty. When a, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then John explains in the story the background to that. He says, For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank uh, from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty Again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into uh, eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23 reads, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, 
called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of he who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and, the harvest, and, and harvests a crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of this, his words, and because of his words, rather, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. She was a Samaritan woman. And um, Jesus is on a journey. He comes to this well. This lady um, is at this well. She would probably come here every day. Uh, In the story, it talks about when she has to keep coming back again and again. And... um, He meets her at this well and asks her for a drink. And she is surprised. Um, The word, the term would probably be, although the text doesn't quite show it, but she would have been gobsmacked, if I'm honest with you, when he said, can you give me a drink? Um, She would have been really incredibly bowled over by surprise. Because there's a couple of things, two things. Number one, because she was a woman. Now, to you and I, that, that makes no difference but in the East, um, a man wouldn't ask a woman. The, the conversation would be minimal or, 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 or perhaps non-existent. There were certain taboos for a, a man approaching a, a woman, a single woman. And so in itself, the, the Eastern culture had huge things that you, that you wouldn't have done this. And then the, the second and the bigger thing is that she was a Samaritan. It's a double whammy. The Samaritans, these were people... That these were Jews that had lived in the northern part of Israel and their capital city, when the two kingdoms were, do, were, were separate, was Samaria. There was a capital city called Samaria and the southern capital was Jerusalem. The northern, northern Israelites lived the capital Samaria and the southern Israelites in Jerusalem. And so the Samaritans were Jews who married and intermingled with the people of the area, something God said you shouldn't do. You should only stay as a Jewish race, a pure race. And so Jews considered the northern people, those up there northerners, um, to not be pure. 
So Samaritans were untouchables. So if you go to India, there's a class of people that are untouchables to this day. You wouldn't touch them. And Samaritans were like that. You just did not go near them. You, they were untouchables. So she was a woman and a Samaritan. And you know, Jesus has the power to cross any divide. He has the power to make something. God has the power to make something. The first thing I want to say is this. God has the power to make something out of nothing. To you and I, this is a story about a lady. She's a Samaritan. So what? But the background of the day would have been, this lady would have been insurmountable. You would have nothing to do. It would have been totally taboo. It would have been a very dangerous thing to do. You could get into a lot of trouble. You know, her family could come round and come and kill you. And, and, and Jews would have been considered unclean to mix with. So it was, you just did not mix. You didn't talk. You had nothing to do. And um, the picture really here is that Jesus has the ability to reach out to anyone, anytime. No one or anyone is not too far away from his reach. We haven't done anything so filthy or so bad. We haven't done it or have it, had it done to us or, or anything in our lives that can separate us from Jesus Christ. In this story, there's a picture there that he can cross any circumstance and any situation. It's a picture that he can make something out of nothing. No, no one is too far away. Nothing is too difficult for God. You know when we say, oh, we could never speak to that person, they'll never want to know. They'll, you know, your neighbour or that person at work, that person that's very tough. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have to speak in code, but you know, there are different people that have done the alpha courses over the years, and there may be people now doing. I, I know doing alpha, and some people might think, oh, this person's come onto the alpha course, and they'll never become a Christian, and they're they're quite hard, and they don't want to know, and and they keep everybody away. Jesus has the power to melt hearts, to cross the divide, to reach out, to touch. There's no one too difficult. There's no neighbor. There's no friend. It's, it's, it's not true that nobody wants to know. Everyone has something in their hearts where they need to know, want to know God, need to know God. You might not realize that. And so there's someone, you know, there's, there are people on the Alpha Course that would say initially, they started off saying they maybe would be um, not a believer or atheistic. And as the course goes on, I know of people that are saying, I'm beginning to believe that there is God. There is something. It's amazing. It's, it, our hearts changed. And so Jesus can talk to anyone. He can make something out of nothing. No one's too far away. Nothing and no one is too difficult. We haven't done something so bad that we can't be, we, we're too far from God. He can reach out and touch any heart. I, I'm encouraged by that because it makes, it's a bit of a wake-up call to my heart and life because as a Christian in 20, 27 years of Christian ministry and sort of maybe 33 years of being a Christian, you know, the years have gone by and I can sometimes get a little bit blase and think, oh, Oh, maybe they don't want to know. And if I speak to that person, they're not really going to want to know. They do. And they will. And it's amazing. In these last 18 months or so, we've seen lots of people becoming Christians at the Life of Church here and through toddler group and in Alpha courses and friends of friends and, and people coming to church and enjoying meetings and they're not yet Christians. I sometimes think, oh, if we speak in tongues, it's going to upset people. It might for some, but it doesn't seem to. Because Jesus can reach and touch any hearts. No one and nothing is too difficult for him. 
that's the first thing I'm saying. For us, it's to be an encouragement to us when we, 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 we think of a friend, there's a neighbor, or there's something that we've done or had done to us that we think is so bad. There's nothing so bad. There's nothing, we're not so far away. There's no person in your family or friends or neighborhood that is untouchable, unreachable. There isn't. There really isn't. It's incredible. And the more I see that today, the more I realize, and the more I read it, and the more we're seeing people's lives being changed. Second thing I'd like to say is this, and um, it, it's linked in from verse 10. Um, so Jesus starts to speak to this lady, and, and she, he asks for a drink, she's thirsty. And it goes on from literal, physical drink, thirst, to spiritual thirst, thirst of the heart, thirst for God, a thirst for significance, a thirst for love, a thirst for life, a thirst for identity. What starts with a conversation about a drink of water then then moves on in time to a thirst of the heart. And um, Jesus, the second thing I'd like to say is this. Jesus quenches the human thirst for life. In every human being, there's a thirst for life. There's a desire for life. People say, I'm going to live life to the best, the full. Oh, I'm going to have a right good weekend this week. I'm going to go out in the town. I'm going to do this. I live to the very best. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. There is in the human heart a desire for life. There is in every human heart. We're all the same, whether black or white, whether we come from Africa or Western Europe, it's North America, South America, China. In every human heart, there's a desire for life. And uh, in this story, we see that Jesus quenches our true thirst for life. Jesus answered the woman, if you, she said about you're Jew and you asked me for a drink. And then Jesus says in verse 10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, uh, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman goes on to say, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw this water. And then later on in verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again water from the well, the literal water. But whoever drinks the water I give, the spirit, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then the woman exclaims, sir, give me this water so I don't have to ever get thirsty and keep coming here to draw out water. A couple of things I want to say about those few verses. Jesus quenches the human thirst for life. Um, So much of Today's thrill leads to a spill. So much of, and life is thrilling, and there's a lot of good things in life today, and it's great. Let's not all be doom and gloom about it. There's a lot of good in life. But a lot of today's thrill ultimately leads to a spill. By that I mean it leads to still a sense of emptiness. It's as if our life spills out and we're left with a feeling of emptiness. Oh, we're filled for a moment. The thrill of life. And this lady would come again and again for, to, to drink. She would come every day to drink. And then when Jesus said that I will give you a drink that will last and quench, she said, then give me this so I'll never have to come here again. And um, because there is something in the human heart that, that leads to a longing, uh, a desire for, for, for significance, hope, love. And so Jesus shows here that he satisfied the longing of our hearts. The, the desire for thrill leads to a spill, but Jesus satisfies. Jesus truly satisfies. And he says, you'll never need to drink again. 
Now, I don't know about you, but where do you go? She came every day for her drink. But what do you do every day? I, I, I speak to many, many of us Christians maybe here tonight. Where do you go for your significance, um, your sustenance? Where do you go for your every day? You must, you, now you're going to say to me, well, obviously it's Jesus, but do you really? Do I? I know with myself, I haven't always. Because life is busy and hectic and we're drawn into many areas. We, 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 we come with our, our jars, as it were, to draw. And we draw in many, many, and from many areas in life. And um, this lady came every day. Where, what, where do you go for your significance? Where do you go to fill that sense of hope, heart, and love? Where do you go... Um, now it's not wrong, but um, sometimes some Christians go more, and it's not wrong to do this, by the way, but I'm going to say it, some people go more to the God channel than they do to Jesus Christ. It's not wrong to watch the God channel, by the way. Nothing wrong at all. Some people go more to a certain, and I'm not going to mention any teachers and preachers' names, because you'll think I'm against them, but I'm not. But some people go to certain person and a certain other person, a certain lady speaker, a certain man speaker, and they go more, but Jesus, than, than Jesus. So this lady would go to many places. Some people go for their thrills in the world at large. And Jesus says, I will give you the spirit. I will give you a drink. Jesus you, you would think that because, you know, many we're Christians, we're church together, you know, we would read the Bible. But I know so many Christians that are not satisfied. I, I, for over many years, I've not always been satisfied as a Christian myself, if I'm honest, because I've been going to the wrong places. I've been looking at other theologies more than Jesus. I, I honestly have at times. It's not wrong to look at theology. It's not wrong to look at other teaching. It's not wrong to look at the God channel. All these things are good. But when they take the place of... And, so, and Jesus is, a, is a absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. And I, dis, I discover in this, and from my own experience over the last few years of just restoring my, my ever continuing wanting to grow my walk with Jesus and follow him, uh, a sense that he truly does satisfy. And he really does. And Jesus satisfies the longing of our hearts. Where do you keep going to drink? That's what I'm asking. That's all I ask. Jesus invites us, doesn't he? He invites you and I. And we pitch these evenings once a month, uh, uh, second Sunday of the month, a renew evening so that we can come and restore, refresh, re- you know, realign our hearts, re- revive our hearts, re- renew our vision, our experience of God, our Holy Spirit, get, get back on track in following Jesus. These evenings, that opportunity. So Jesus quenches the thirst for human life. He said, I will give you a drink that you will never thirst. How about this? Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. That's pretty amazing. I, I, I want to believe what Jesus says. I meet so many people. I want to believe that when Jesus says, I give you the Holy Spirit, Adrian, you don't need to be thirsty. You don't need to be thirsty if you come to me. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them. How about this? A spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, the lady understood this because where she was, it was a spring. It was a fresh spring. That's where the well had been sunk. 
And she understood that very visually that this is now fresh. I will have fresh life, fresh love, fresh grace, fresh significance every day. No wonder she said, give me this water so I won't have to come here every day. Because it gets really difficult if we just try, 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 try as Christians. But we can come to his grace and his incredible mercy and wonderful love. Thirdly and finally, how about this? So Jesus shares this and she now is beginning to open her heart and life to this spiritual understanding that he wants to, um, beckons this lady to open her heart and he is the Messiah. And then, so in verse, now the third final thing I want to say is this. The final sense of revelation that comes to her really opening up her heart is this point, and it's in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me thing, told me everything I ever did. She left her jar. And sometimes in our lives, and she left the jar. Now this is the jar that she brought every day. She brought this jar every day to to collect the water. It was, it was really important. Without this, you know, you go very thirsty. She might have had lots of other jars, but I imagine it's a huge jar, this thing. And she leaves it there behind. Um, you know, you and I, there are times in our lives when we come, and we come to Jesus Christ, there are some things maybe we need to leave behind. There are some memories, there are some, uh, Jane shared um, great challenge and encouragement to us this morning about remembering, forgiving, letting go, moving forward. And there are some things in our lives that is, it can be a challenge, but it's like the jar. We've got to leave it behind so that we can come back to receive that which is fresh. And um, as I said, I've met a lot of dissatisfied Christians because they're holding on to jars of the past. They are. And I don't say that, because I've done it, and that's why I'm saying it, because I know, I'm from experience, so it's not, an, it's not a pointed finger at any of us. I have held on to jars. It might be unforgiveness. It might be even certain, because um, the Holy Spirit's fresh and he moves anew, and there's some things that are oh, ways, and yesterday's water, there's today's. It's yesterday's bread, there's today's bread. It's today. And the, lady, the woman had to leave her jar behind. There are some things in our lives, there are some places we are going to, there are some places where we are getting our water from, our thrill, our sustenance, that we need to leave behind. We need to put our jar down and come to Jesus. And she put down her jar, and the woman went back to town, told everybody, then they all came back, and they fell. I, I, I get this picture of them falling around Jesus and giving their hearts and lives. And the whole town gets swept into the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's spectacular. It's spectacular when you let go. It is spectacular when you let go of certain things in our lives. It, that lady putting down that jar seemed to release an entire town. An entire town. There's something symbolic. There's something almost prophetic. Maybe I, you know, you could say, well, you may be reading more into it, Adrian. But there's something really powerful about, because that old water now, and that jar collected that water, that wasn't going to suffice. It was going to be the new water of the Spirit that Jesus was going to give, and there are some things that we've got to let go of. And for some of us in our Christian lives, there are some things that we have to say, I've got to leave it now behind. There's some jars, I've got to let them go so I can embrace 
What is now for me now? There's an embrace of what God has for you and I now. I have found in my own life that to be true. And probably still will be. I have no doubt that I will need to put certain jars aside of anything that isn't reaching out to the Lord Jesus. I I have found that I, I I, I need to make a space to come to him uh, and we live very fast-paced lives, and I meet so many people today that, that, you know, when you say rest, people laugh because, you, you know, all your lives, our lives are so busy today. But to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and just make a space, even if it's a five-minute space, you maybe can give more than that, I don't know what it might be, but even if it's a five-minute space to rest in his presence. Uh, so I, I have found that... Um, I can come to the well, who is Jesus. There's many other things I can race around after and rest in him, make a space for him. And when I rest, I begin to do something amazing. Even if it's just five minutes, my heart starts to realign. And he wants our hearts to realign. I don't know about you, I know so many dissatisfied believers because our hearts were not aligned and I don't say that in a pointed way. I know from my own heart. When I begin to rest and come to him, my heart begins to realign. And that, that comes as I reflect, as I think. James was sharing about this idea of remembering, reflecting on... This is, this is Remembrance Sunday. Reflecting, remembering the good, good things. He's a good, good father. God is good. Jesus is great. And then what happens as you begin to rest, realign, reflect, we begin to receive. An amazing thing happens. We begin to receive the fresh sense of what the Spirit of God has for you and I today. So, tonight, where are you going to drink? Jesus calls us to drink from him. There's nothing too difficult. There's nothing too challenging for him to reach out into our lives and the lives of people around us. He wants us to leave. There may be something. I don't know, maybe tonight there's something for some of us to say, I'm going to leave that with God. I'm going to leave that with Jesus Christ. I'm going to let go of that circumstance. I don't know what it might be, but there's a jar to leave behind so that we can then embrace what he has for us today. Let's pray together. Thank you for your patience and for listening. Now, with our hearts, we embrace what you have for us, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the living water that the water that you give is life, welling up into a spirit of life in our hearts and lives. And we come to you tonight, Jesus, Lord Jesus, and we say, forgive us if we have let other things, some things, get in the way of the someone. If we've let some things get in the way of someone who is you, Jesus, and things have got in the way of you, we pray that you forgive us as we just come to you, we come to you to drink of you and your love and your presence and your forgiveness and of your hope. We ask that you forgive us this evening as we come to you. For some of us, we lay down certain jars. If there's anything that we've got that we feel that we, whether it's a person, an unforgiveness, an anxiety, a bad memory, if we feel that we've done stuff that's so bad or stuff has been done bad to us, we want to leave that jar 
at your feet, Jesus, so that we can receive fresh today from you. And I just pray for anyone tonight that feels that there's something they want to lay down. There's something they just want to put aside. Circumstance. May even be someone, and we don't say that in a bad way. I just pray for some people tonight where there's someone they need to let go of. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just come and gently touch our hearts. We're going to sing together. I'd invite you maybe to stand with me as we... You can remain seated if you so wish, it's fine. But if you can stand, then please feel free to do so. As we worship, open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and put aside that jar, as it were. We bow our hearts, we lift our hands, we turn our eyes to you.